Welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. I'm Pastor Troy Richards, and today, Evan Fatterhoff is back behind the microphone. Thanks. Glad you're back, Evan. And we have uh, a guest with us. Uh, Evan has brought... Evan, Evan, you introduced, and then David will let you tell us a little about yourself. We're really awesome to invite him, but I'm glad he's here, too. (laughs) um, His name is David Heppy. He works with CAMO, which is Campus Movement on CMO's campus. It's one of our... Kind of our counterpart uh, student minister that we work with. So. Okay. Uh, you want to tell us more about yourself? Yeah, David, tell us a little bit about yourself. A little bit. Yep. Um, work for Campus Movement, college ministry affiliated with Cape Bible Chapel, seeking to reach and make disciples at uh, Southeast Missouri State. So that's uh, to where I went. I graduated in 2017, where I met my wife as well. Um, actually, through called something different back in the day, but uh, same ministry that I became a Christian through. Mm. The Lord called me. So very appreciative of it. And Happy to be serving again. So, how many how many people are there in your type of role at at Camo? Oh, uh, one, one of one. Here. One of yeah. one. Oh, well, you're it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. Okay. Yeah, I've, uh, I can say my position, but I'll just say whatever everybody calls me, just the finance guy. So, oh, you're the finance plan. guy. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, but but as far as a larger team, it's, it's mm, not okay, just it's yeah. not just you doing the whole thing. No, yeah, we. Uh, golly, man, it just keeps multiplying. We have. I think about, it's eleven right now. Yeah, I think like with staff raisings of support, we definitely have over ten. Oh, sweet. So, yeah. 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 Because I know at Lighthouse, we have Reese and then Evan. <laughs> and that's, that's it, right? That's all uh, yeah, else so, I need. Yeah, but we have one more who is will be there soon. Uh, yeah. A oh, potential. Really? Oh, history. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. wow. Yeah. So working their way to 10. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're, we're going yeah. we're, we're to try goal, to get the three first. The so. goal is always to be bigger than others. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, we want to we want to outgrow that. Yeah. Right. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and then all in all fairness too, the the Camo group has been a great sending force for for mm. a at Semo for years now. And yeah. and so when mm-hmm. so when we look at the two different groups, we just have two very different roles yes. at, at yeah. the moment. And and our focuses are very different too. Yeah. We have we have a, a much greater focus, I say, on international ministry and on kind of the gaming group. Yep. And, yeah. Yeah. And we have a lot more guys in our group proportionately than girls. Yeah. And and I mean, obviously, we'd like to have a balance there. It's kind of yeah. nice to have a balance. But I'm sure the guys would like to have more of a balance there too. <laughs> I think the girls would too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, but Camo on on the contrary has a has a wider group of um areas on campus that they reach. Uh, they they reach I think in some ways harder groups, or I found yeah. them to hard, be harder groups with sports and with. Um, Greek life. I think there's a lot of success in the Greek life area. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do a little bit with my old fraternity there, but even just to speak what uh, Evan's talked about with like Lighthouse, you know, mm-hmm. it's like which one's harder? And I mean, you know, kind of feels like they're all hard and everything. That's right. Legitimately, especially with international students, mm-hmm. I feel like Camo. Yeah, we're just not as good as that as like lighthouses and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So very thankful for the ministry. Yeah, thanks. That, you know, and I think I I I the thing I appreciate about because I hear all kinds of amazing things about your ministry and 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 grateful for what you all are doing on campus and uh in knowing uh, I have more background with lighthouse and so forth, but I it's always encouraging when you see ministries coming from different church backgrounds that are working together mm-hmm. to accomplish the same goal. Yeah, because it does take all things to reach mm-hmm. all people and, right. and so Absolutely. it's 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 very encouraging I, w- I hope it actually expands to include even more other ministries that kind of can partner in there as well yeah, but, yeah. yeah it, it'll be difficult but i i think uh, it's it, it's yeah. always challenging yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. but it's yeah. cool i yeah. feel like yeah. what camo lighthouse has like been in college ministry for five years talked about earlier gonna almost be 10 years older than freshmen yeah. uh incoming freshmen like i've never seen this work out as well as mm-hmm. it has between lighthouse yeah, and I agree that. so it's an yeah. encouraging thing that is yeah. encouraging and yeah. hopefully maybe maybe become even a model for other campuses and so forth yeah. to be doing similar things i so. hope so yeah 
and the big thing is, I mean, you talk about navigators a lot, and, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. and mm-hmm. not to get too deep in the weeds on it, but 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 there are student ministries that have great structure, and yeah. and they're in very different places all over the country. Mm-hmm. And the big thing is to, you know, you're talking about the the primaries, um, right. you know, salvific issues mm-hmm. sort of things. Right. Um, when we look at those those issues, that's what matters. And right. so whenever we're looking at at genuinely pressing concerns for for the individuals that are around us, right. that that's where we draw the lines on right. on whether we can partner or not. So so there are ministries that are just difficult to partner with. But but yeah. I'm I'm hopeful, just like what you're saying with us, that that, that other ministries and other places can do this too. And even as a sending force, like I was saying. My hope is that as they go to other campuses, which I think is the, I mean, they've made that very clear that's their goal, to yeah, go to other yeah, campuses. Yeah. And as that happens in other places, um, my hope is that student ministries like ours, um, that it's a Baptist mm-hmm. student ministry, will be able to link up with with other groups and that they continue to work together. Right. So. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Very good. Well, I'm glad you're here today. And we got a great podcast ahead. We are looking at some uh, great passages. I, we're uh, Evan's going to do a little bit of flashback into Numbers uh, since he wasn't here last week. We're going to look at Numbers, I think, number 25, and the uh, and also uh, and, and maybe a little bit graphic, but uh, we'll we'll make sure it's it's all toned down yeah. for a family friendly uh, podcast atmosphere. But we yeah. uh, we look ahead to we look at Mark, look at Luke, we look at uh, a variety of different things that are taking place, and then some questions at the end. Uh, dealing with uh, the end of Mark, Mark 16, those last verses. Why are there brackets there? and What does that mean? And uh, and some other questions that come out of our readings. So, right. uh, and uh, talking about worship. Why do we worship the way we worship? And so, anyway, uh, neat things to talk about. So glad David's here with us. We're going to get started when we return. We have a new ministry here at First Baptist Jackson. It's called Holy Grounds. We meet every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. and we have gourmet coffee available. Our own barista in-house. So we hope you'll come join us 9 a.m. Sunday mornings for Holy Grounds. From 9 to 9.15, we have a time of fellowship where we donuts and coffee. And then Bible study, always from some amazing Bible study. You can sit in the observation deck and just watch or you can participate. It's up to you. But come join us. Check it out. 9 a.m. Sunday mornings here at First Baptist Jackson. take a moment to go through some of the things that stood out to us in the reading this week. And uh, Evan, you're going to kick us off. What was it that, uh, what passage are you going to start with? All right. So I'm going to start with uh, Mark 16. So um, when we went through Matthew, I hit the uh, Great Commission. So I wanted to go through that in Mark. Each of the Gospels have an account of this. Now this one, as we're going to talk about later, um, is not in some of the earliest manuscripts, but I think it's still good to go over. And I was going to go ahead and just read the whole thing. So starting in verse six or verse 14 of chapter 16, after a word, he appeared to the eleven, uh, they led themselves as they were reclining at the table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they had not believed uh, those who saw him after he had risen. And, and he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes, is baptized, uh, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons, they will speak new tongues, they will pick up servants, serpents with their hands, and if they drink, uh, any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. So when the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat at the right sat down at the right hand of God, 
And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. So um, I don't have a lot to say about this one. I, yeah. I just I really like the message of the Great Commission. Um, you mm-hmm. know, we we talk we've talked multiple times about um, the idea of laboring um, Matthew nine and and the going and making disciples, baptizing them um, out of Matthew twenty eight. And here we see just kind of a reflection of the same thing, where we see um, whoever is baptized will be saved, and um, we see whoever is not um, whoever is not saved will be um, condemned. And and baptize, baptism here is not the act of water, but is of the Holy Spirit here. Possibly. Yeah. And it, it, even if it's the act of water, there's something important to point out in that little mm-hmm. in that verse. He says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And uh, and one of the theological points in there is it's not saying that baptism is essential for salvation. Mm-hmm. It's saying that because in the in the inverse, it's not baptism isn't there. He right. doesn't say whoever does not believe and is not baptized mm-hmm. will be condemned. Right. He just simply says whoever does not believe will be condemned. Right. And and uh, but I, I want to make sure that something is included in that. But he is saying that baptism is an essential part of our salvation. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not uh, a necessary part of our salvation. Meaning it, it's not um, baptism isn't salvific, but it is something that is present when a person is saved. Right. And and the thing and the way I, I like to highlight that with people, it's kind of like loving people. Mm-hmm. That loving doesn't loving people doesn't save you, but if you're saved, you right. love people. Uh, right. And so mm-hmm. it's like that's if you're saved, you do get baptized, but the salva- it's not the baptism that saves you. Baptism is just a result of your salvation. Right. Uh, it's just an act of obedience. So, mm-hmm. uh, but that and I think that's why uh, Mark is very careful to mm-hmm. say, but because uh, if he said. Uh, whoever's not ba- whoever's not baptized is going to be condemned. Mm-hmm. Well, then that would mean baptism was salvific, that it was necessary. Mm-hmm. But uh, but he doesn't. So right. mm-hmm. and so uh, so those and, and then the other explanation is well, he's not talking about water baptism. He's talking about uh, mm-hmm. baptism of the Holy Spirit. But I, I, but, I, but either of them works. Yeah, I think it's both. And, yeah, in a lot of ways. It, but it gave, and and a lot of times when it's not clear, it's both and. Right. Know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And the last thing in that, in verse 20, it says, they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by many accompanying signs. And yeah. I think that even within the accompanying signs for us today, that's going to include things like, like the heart change and, and mm-hmm. going out and, um, and loving the people that are around us genuinely like Christ loved us. Yes. Um, giving up our lives and giving up our, our desires for the sake of the people who do not know Christ around us. Yeah. So. And we got a question we're going to deal with with Mark 16, but we're going to save it till the end. Mm-hmm. So to force people to either fast forward to the podcast to get it or to hear the entire well, thing. Well, don't so. fast forward because they won't ever get to hear David. That's right. That's don't. True, yeah, exactly. Yeah, David's going to share something really, really, really good. This so. is my one shot. Please this don't is, fast this. forward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, David, what do you got? Uh, I chose to highlight Psalm 36, 7 through 12, which reads, How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast in the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life, in your light do we see light. Oh, continue your steadfast love to those who know you, and your righteousness to the upright of heart. Let not the foot of arrogance come upon me, nor the hand of the wicked drive me away. There the evildoers lie fallen. They are thrust down, unable to rise. Um, Probably a lot, probably a lot within just like that whole psalm, but really... Mm-hmm. Thing that I wanted to highlight was verse seven specifically, um, where it's mm-hmm. talking about the children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. I don't know too much about the direct context of the psalm. You can kind of just see uh, within your Bible it's a psalm of David. So you think about all the uh, 
the trials that he was going through, the persecutions, even when he was king, and even, like, from his own family and whatnot. Um, but something, just, like, honestly, taking a little bit of time to read in, into the verse, just with the study Bible, is that this the term, um, take refuge in the shadow of your wings, that same term is used, I think it's in Ruth 2, mm. where Boaz is speaking to Ruth and is talking about how, you know, Naomi took her under her wing and whatnot after the tragedy they... Um, that occurred to them that was recorded in chapter one. And, um, and really, I mean, like it seemed to me when, you know, I couldn't a hundred percent confirm this, but it seemed to me when Boaz was saying that to Ruth, using this terminology, he was talking about, um, receiving the salvation of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what's like really cool about that, when you think about that is that if Psalm 36, this is a Psalm of David. Well, the same terminology was used about Ruth for her salvation. Ruth is one of David's ancestors too. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. so, yeah, yeah. I just think, uh, think that like passages like these specifically like the idea of the lord surrounding us with his wings that terminology um really cool to think about for salvation and just like the comfort and specifically um when you think about you know like passages i think like in romans 5 is what i'm thinking but we were once enemies of god and now we've been brought near Mm. um it seems that that very much coincides with ruth and um yeah we who once were hated god now we're when we who once hated god now brought near by him and under his protection and Mm his holy refuge. Um, it's something I study church history a lot. Um, and something that came up a lot in the reformation with Mm -hmm. all like the persecutions, just covering all of Europe and a lot of just horrible things happening to new believers through that is that they took a lot of comfort specifically Mm -hmm. in the Psalms would sing them, would chant them in their worship services. Mm -hmm. And you can see why, you know, Mm -hmm. just that really tender and a comforting terminology that the Lord gives Mm -hmm. through stuff like that. So, yeah. And I, I think of Jesus, um, how he said to Jerusalem, I want to, I would want to gather you as a hen gathers yeah. his chicks under his wings and so mm-hmm. forth. That that God sees us that way as as being under the protection of his uh, of his wings. And and I, I think is it is neat how you have Ruth and then David and then Jesus. Uh, you know, Jesus not just referring back to that, but was present with Ruth, was present with yeah. David, you know, and and really giving this image imagery that now we have uh, to really see that um, that that God is not trying to throw us out there and say, hey, I just want you to see how well you do. That He's actually wanting us to find our protection in Him. Mm-hmm. You know, He He wants mm-hmm. us to see Him as the one who keeps us safe and watches over us. It's it's so. Um, uh, and you're a parent when you were talking about mm-hmm. you know, earlier in the. Mm-hmm. You it's so hard to communicate. Uh, you've got a young child, um, and and the, one of the most difficult parts of parenting is when they begin to shun the protection that you provide. You know, I don't mm-hmm. th- because they go through this period of time where they really want it, mm-hmm. but at a very early age, yeah. they begin to be like, I don't want to hold your hand. <laughs> uh-huh, you know, I don't. Uh-huh. I want to be out there, and you're like going, Oh my goodness, there's so many things that can kill you. Yeah, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and the w- yeah. w- ways that you can wind up hurt or injured or dead. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm trying to keep you safe, and uh, and and you, and it gives, and for the first time, it kind of registers in your mind. Oh my goodness, that's what I do to God. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, it's yeah. like He's just trying to keep me safe, mm-hmm. and I'm just trying to say, Let me. Oh, and I want to get out of here, and it's like, oh, he knows what can destroy me, and yeah. uh, and I'm stupid and just uh, <laughs> think I I want to do this on my own. When in reality, he just wants me. And but the the, the awesome part is is that uh, you know as loving parents, you know that your children are going to do this, but you always want to have 
you always want them to remember when you get out there and you get scared, you always have a place to come back to. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and that's uh, and I, I'm grateful that God provides that. And even if right. you lose your parents, even if those, even if you have a bad relationship with your parents, yep. uh, our Father in Heaven provides that mm-hmm. for all of us. So it's mm-hmm. a common refuge we have. Very good. Uh, very good uh, passage. Um, I wanted to uh, share something for Deuteronomy chapter five. Um, he says um, Moses is talking. He says, you go near and hear all that the Lord our God may say and tell us all that the Lord our God says to you and we will hear and do it. Then the Lord heard the voice of your words when you spoke to me and the Lord said to me, I have heard the voice of the words of this people which they have spoken to you. They are right in all that they have spoken. Oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me and always keep all my commandments, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. Go and say to them, return to your tents. But as for you, stand here by me and I will speak to you all the commandments, the statutes and the judgments, which you shall teach them that they may observe them in the land, which I am giving them to possess. Moses, uh, Moses has such a special place with God. And he really is, you know, uh, one of the things that we, we read in, in the writings of Moses is that he says you know, that, um, that prophets, you know, that God gives them a word. Um, but with Moses, he speaks to him as a friend, you know, talks and so forth. And, and to think that you have that type of relationship with God, where he just comes in, converses with you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he has this relationship, uh, with Moses and, and really God's bearing his heart, uh, his lament for the people, uh, to Moses, uh, you know, very similar to Jesus, you know, as, as what we were just talking about, how Jesus was lamenting, mm-hmm. oh, Jerusalem, that you, you know, how I've longed for you to come back to me and so forth. And this is really what God is saying to Moses here. He's like, I, I'm, you know, I hear what they're saying, but I know what they're going to do. Right. And it's like, and it's like, it's just, it, it, and he, so he reveals his desire for us to have a heart that fears him and obeys his command. He, he wants us to trust him. That's, he just is a father desiring his children to believe what he says and that they, that we need his protection, that we need his help, that we need a savior. Um, we were talking earlier this morning about the ABCs of salvation, good pros, cons, but the, the first A, the, the, the A is the good part of it is that it requires, you're supposed to admit that you are a sinner. And really what you're not just admitting that you're a sinner, you're admitting you need a savior is and that's the beginning of salvation. I know it's kind of incorporated into twelve-step movements and things like mm-hmm. that. Uh, you know that uh, I, I admitting that we are we have a problem or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's not just admitting we have a problem. It's not just admitting that uh, I. Um, it's it's knowing that I cannot save myself. It, we all have to come to a place where it's like I cannot do this without God. I am and mm-hmm. and they. Uh, and that's what would happen with the Israelites is they would say that, but then they would try to do it without God or another God. It's like they would try to find another God to do. It's like they would see something they'd want to do. They don't think that the God of Israel, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is going to give them the ability to do it. And so they'd seek out uh, another God. Um, and, and, you know, it's, and, and I, I hope in the story when we read it is that we don't long to be like the Israelites, but that we long to be like Moses. Mm-hmm. And I. I love where Moses tells them, you know, uh, where they, the Holy Spirit is coming upon the leaders and so forth. And there are two that never show up. And 
and yet the Holy Spirit, they demonstrate that they also have the Holy Spirit, even though they didn't come out of their tents. And uh, and they're saying, wait a second, they shouldn't be, you know, they shouldn't be right. having the Holy Spirit or acting like they have the Holy Spirit. And Moses is like, you know, it's my desire. I wish everybody had the Holy Spirit. I wish God would put his spirit upon everyone. And you think, oh, my goodness, what an incredible prophetic moment where that's really the heart of God. Yeah. He's like, he wants to put his spirit on everyone. He's right. like, I don't I don't want there to be some super Christians. I don't want there to be some people who have, you know, all these amazing abilities and everybody else just goes, oh, I wish I could have God like that. No, God's like, no, I want, I want you to have that. I want you also, that Jesus is walking in, in the midst. It, and I, that's where it takes, you know, think about, I'm going all, throughout, all, through, all over the Bible right now, but uh, you take Peter in the boat, Jesus walking on water, and and what's so amazing about that interchange, it reveals that Jesus is saying to Peter, hey, I want you to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. I want not just this. I want you to be able to do all of it. I want you to feed the 5,000. Mm-hmm. I want you to be able to heal the sick. I mean, and, and if you look at all the things that he does, I mean, there's one passage in one gospel. He even says, why don't you feed the multitudes? Mm-hmm. He tells them to do it. I mean, then they can't, and then Jesus does it. But he's revealing, I want you to be able to do it. I want you to have this power. I want you to have these abilities. You were made to do this. You were designed to do this. And all you need is the power of the Holy Spirit in order to do it. Uh, and and the only reason you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit is because you don't, uh, you just don't believe, you know. And he said, he tells him, if you had, if you really believed, you could move mountains. Mm-hmm. It's everything's within um, your ability to do. So it's it's just a, um, it is a. Um, I, uh, well, this is what I wrote down that stuck out to me in this passage. I said, can you imagine watching us fail repeatedly knowing that your son is going to ask you if there is another way? And each time we commit spiritual adultery, the father thinks, no, son, there is no other way. You have to drink this cup. Mm. That, uh, and, and, I, and to remember each time I fail, it was, that was why God was, when you, why God had to speak to Jesus. No, it's because of the idiot. <laughs> You're gonna have to do this because yeah. he he can't do it. He uh-huh. he he. They're never gonna get this. They're never gonna overcome. Mm-hmm. They're never gonna be able to do it without you going to the cross. Wow. And um, yeah, it was. So anyway, that's um, Evan. Evan's got a flashback passage for us. Yeah. So um, so this is the one that's a little bit tougher of a passage, I think. Okay. In some ways, but it's also really cool. So I I think of you know we were I was talking about the Great Commission earlier in our our need to go and do these things. And we were talking earlier mm-hmm. even about what it looks like to go and share the gospel and, and how and this is our year of your one or year of the one. Year of the one. Where yeah. you identify one person at a time that we that you can go and share the gospel with. Right. And then you move to the next. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. I appreciate that one at a time. Yeah. That it's not, I, oh. I'm not just saying, we're not just saying oh, yeah, only yeah. witness to one person this year. Uh, we're just saying okay, focus okay. on one person at a time. One yeah. at a time. Yeah. So, so anyway, I, I'll relate it back in a second. I'll go ahead and just read this real quick. So, this is in uh, Numbers 25, and uh, apparently this is not part of our reading for this week because I... You missed last week. That's yeah, okay. so we're I gonna, missed last week, so, so we're going to do flashback. Still good, so, still good. Um, while Israel lived in Shittim, the people began to whore with the daughters of Moab. These, inv- uh, these invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bowed to their gods. So uh, Israel yoked himself to Baal, or Baal, if you will, in Peor, and the, uh, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, Take all the chiefs of the people and hang, to the, and hang them in the sun before the Lord, that, that fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. And Moses said to the judges of Israel, Each of you kill those of, the, those of his men who have yoked themselves with Baal or Peor. Um, and behold, one of the people of Israel came and brought a Midianite woman to his family, 
in the sight of Moses and in the sight of the whole congregation of the people of Israel while they are weeping in the entrance of the tent of meeting. When Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, son of Aaron, the priest, saw it, he rose and left the congregation, took a spear in his hand, and uh, went after the man of Israel into the chamber and pierced both of them, the, the man of Israel and the woman through their belly. Thus the plague of the people of Israel was stopped. Nevertheless, those who died by the plague were 24,000. So, and then it kind of goes on to talk about Phineas, but Phineas, I believe, is Aaron's grandson. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Phineas here, I, I, I don't think we should go through sparing people. Um, I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it, if yeah. they are, I mean, because the picture we have here is that this, these two are effectively having sex in the middle of the congregation, right? Mm-hmm. And so this, this picture, I mean, it's just so. Keep it PG, man. Yeah, I know. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll dial back. So <laughs> anyway, it's just, it's just a very gross picture of, yeah. of sin, right? And yes. so. So in this passage, we see this guy who is so turned away by the sin. He he goes and he and he stops it. And um, I think when we see sin, a lot of times it's really easy. And obviously, this is just such a blatant sin. It's not. Mm-hmm. There's no question about what's happening here. It's 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 not great. And mm-hmm. um, so then when we look at this picture, um, the the same reaction we should have when someone sins around us, um, whether it's whether it's a a plague caused by to people that are or many people that are that are living in iniquity or mm-hmm. or if it's um if it's our friends who are are living in sin in some other way and and obviously this is this is i mean this is just a a, a gross example but right. but we have i think we can see examples of this all over our lives um yeah. and even you know we we're talking about pride uh, earlier about just how we how we can identify pride in other people's lives and and i'm hopefully in our own and so it's it's re- whenever we see um sin in our own lives and the lives of people around us we should be having the same desire to to end that as Phineas did here, where he um so we should be spearing our own sin and each other's sin in a way um figuratively but um but but taking the time to um be so saddened by the sin that exists around us that we mm-hmm. that we desire greatly for it to end and for it to stop so that's why I wanted to read that i I know that's not the most p g passage maybe right. but um and um uh, maybe Austin can go interchange my word for dis. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know some other word, but no, I, I do. Yeah. I do appreciate the passion and and zeal yeah. of of seeing this. Uh, it kind of takes you back to uh, well, I guess forward <laughs> to when uh, they're in Jericho. You know, when they conquered Jericho, right? Mm. And then you have um the family that uh, is Aiken, I think, yeah, and uh, that mm-hmm. uh, keeps the idols and so forth, and and they all have to be killed and. Yep. And, and then you fast forward to the New Testament and you have Ananias and Sapphira who, yeah. who do similar thing mm-hmm. or whatever. It's just sometimes God says, I need to make this clear mm-hmm. that this is this is what is this is wrong. Yeah. And, and it's because the result is thousands of people are going to die because of right. the sin of, right. of these few. But yeah. um, the, the part that we were talking about this at Sunday Night Service, the part that is so horrific about this is that before you get to this passage, you have Balaam who is. Uh, with his talking donkey and so right. forth, and we all remember the talking donkey part of it. But um, before there was Shrek, there was Balaam, and uh, the um, the uh, the the story was that Balaam was being hired or paid to curse Israel. Right. And and so he goes, and Balak offers him all this money, and so he uh, never. But uh, Balaam's like, I can't go further than what God will allow me. That was the whole point of the donkey talking to him. And what the angel Lord revealed at that time was that uh, you can do, I'm going to let you go. I'm not going to kill you, 
but I'm going to let you go, but you have to only say what I tell you to say. And so Balaam does that. He only tells, he, the three times he, he blesses Israel and curses mm. uh, the Midianites. Well, is it four times? Well, thanks, man. Yeah. All over it. Very, very good. I was trying to stay with some biblical number, but <laughs> uh, but the um, four times, four times, even worse. So, uh, but the but then, what happens is is that you have uh, later we see from this passage, he come Balaam has a different strategy, mm-hmm. and the strategy is we're going to use the Midianite women to seduce the Israelite men, right. and so they're going to bring upon them the curse. Yeah. So it was like, we can't defeat them militarily because they're under God's protection. So we have to get them to leave God's protection in order for them. And then mm-hmm. God will defeat them himself. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. and you think, oh my goodness, there's so much, so many parallels right. in that between mm-hmm. them and us. And that that's exactly right. Satan's strategy today. Uh-huh. Right. It's like, if he's, he's not going to get us under the protection of the Holy Spirit, so he has to lure us out through our lust or our greed or, or anger or whatever it is. He has to get us to leave God and do spiritual adultery. And then we bring the, the wrath of God upon ourselves, or at least his chastisement. Uh, to uh, because of uh, because we would Satan couldn't touch us otherwise, and uh, yeah. and that's uh, and we are bl- we, and we are blessed people, always as long as we just simply stay with God. Right. Yeah. yeah. So good. I'm glad you brought it back up. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, even if it is a little bit edgier. It is edgy. I like yeah. the Old Testament is pretty edgy. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. is. I, I, yeah. I always think they should make a movie about this. I'm like, well, I don't think my children could watch it if they made a movie about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So they, We'd have to skip quite a bit. And then my children are all over 17, but uh, anyway, yeah. still. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I would probably still skip some of it. <laughs> I, it's better for me to read yeah. it than to exactly, see it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and the imagination's a pretty vivid thing. Well, yeah. anyway, that uh, we're going to come back and we're going to we got some questions we want to address. We want to take some time for that. So stay here on the podcast. We are going to deal with some, I think, some really good questions. So uh, so come back as we return to understanding Jesus. Claim Your Destiny, a men's Bible study of Kingdom Man, six Monday nights starting April 17th at 6.30 p.m. at First Baptist Jackson at The Bridge. That's April 17th, 6.30 p.m. at The Bridge here at First Baptist Church of Jackson. If you'd like to register, go to the Kingdom Man at FBCJ link at fbcj.us. That's our website, fbcj.us. This is the segment of our podcast where we take a moment to answer questions that arose in the reading. Things uh, We're always open to questions that you all might have, so if you ever have a question from any part of the Bible reading, we may not put them in the next podcast. We probably will save a question for when it fits with the reading that we have, but, uh, but whatever the case, please share with us if you ever have any questions about the Bible. If you have any questions about God, if you wonder if God can make a rock, too big for him to pick up and you want to if you're bold enough to ask that question we will take the time to address it here on the podcast but uh but anyways so since we get so few questions from others uh we do have from, I've, I've got a question that has been asked so i will we'll deal with it today but evan you had a question that we were going to look at okay so um i the first question i have is um why is the last part of mark included in every modern translation 
even though it was not in the earliest manuscripts or as noted in the margins of many. And why do you think that is? Um, I think because they probably found a larger collection of manuscripts that, um, and, and it is included because it matches the rest of the canon of scripture. Uh, that The second half is right. Yeah. The, the reason why it's in brackets, <clears throat> excuse me, and the reason why we think it isn't part of the, the reason why it's in brackets in the first place. Anytime you see something in brackets, usually in a translation, you'll find a footnote or something that says uh, this was not in the earliest manuscripts. And the logic is this, that if you have uh, older manuscripts and they do not include a passage, and then you have a later passage that does include it, it looks as though it probably was added. With this particular passage, it even goes beyond that. With the last part of Mark, you have not only do you have the earlier manuscripts that don't include it, you have an intermediate section of manuscripts that have a sep- a different passage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have later manuscripts that have this passage. And what they believe happened was that you have, and what typically will happen is notes are put in the margins, and then when a scribe is taking and, and doing it, he takes it from being something in the margins to being in the text. And and it probably, because oral tradition was still such a huge part of the culture at that particular time, it was probably a story that everybody knew and everybody understood and was shared. And so you would have, as you got this gospel in your circulated church, and then somebody else would come and say, hey, I was there, mm-hmm. and I remember this happening. And somebody who's a scribe will put that in the margin of, hey, this is additional information we got. And then later, somebody will just kind of throw that and say, I'm just going to weave that into the story and so the authoritative mark we always believe is what mark actually wrote so you're trying to find that he probably wouldn't they probably would not cut a portion out of the gospel that's unlikely so it'd be more likely to be added but this passage of mark uh the reason why it's important is because one uh really the the snake handling part (laughs) is the is the verse that's Mm -hmm. the it's like oh my goodness this because this is a passage that people will use in snake handling congregations we are not one uh but uh it is uh, they'll say that you know that he says you can handle snakes and not be injured or whatever but uh but what we do find is every verse in that passage is drawn from the other gospels or writings of paul Hmm. Uh, it's the actual, there is a story in which Paul is bitten by a snake and is not harmed. Right. And that's probably what they knew and understood to happen. I mean, it's included Paul, you know, it's an ax. Uh, yeah. so it's, uh, so you have this, uh, included in Mark, but it was most, most definitely added after Mark wrote his original hmm. gospel. Hmm. So the, and, and the reason being, the reason was in verse eight, when it ends, uh, people felt like it ended with a thud. You know, the women uh, didn't share. <laughs> Basically, mm. uh, it was like we were afraid to go out and tell. Mm. And it was like, whoa, wait a second. That's kind of anticlimactic because right. we want to hear them going and telling. Yeah. Right. You know, And so then it's like, oh, and then they did go tell everybody. Mm. Well, they probably did. Mm. But uh, but I, I think we believe, and this is all circumstantial evidence, we believe that Mark was a scribe for Peter, that Peter... These are messages that Peter would have preached, and and Mark, being Peter's scribe, is just simply basically his sermon writer, is taking the messages that Peter was proclaiming and then put it into gospel form. Probably, if you think of it in terms of a sermon, though, it makes sense that it would end with that, and they were terrified, basically, Mm -hmm. trying to, because 
if you're trying to get your audience to a place of saying, and this is where our story gets to you, mm-hmm. you know, that, that Jesus resurrected from the dead mm-hmm. and says, go and tell everybody. And then we were all in awe and terror of everything that happened. Right. That leads you to a point of invitation or whatever, of, or, or of saying now here, now it comes to you. I'm just saying the reality of of I mean, in the, especially in the crowd that you are, not that women are taking the gospel and going and sharing it, but of saying, and they were terrified to go do it because that's how real it was. Right. And I, I and 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 because he's trying to communicate the validity of the resurrection mm-hmm. and so forth. Uh, not to say that any of the things that happened afterward aren't true, but to say that uh, it is, it was probably not what Mark originally wrote. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, and to the to the snake biting thing, you know, we're talking about Paul. Yeah, I mean, he, Paul went through. You haven't a lot. tried that, have you? No, but I I think there's a lot of things that Paul did that I don't really want to nah, try. Yeah, exactly. The uh, exactly. nine lashings, I, five or thirty-nine lashings, five mm, times. Um, they stoned the, and left for dead. Stoned, yeah. left for dead. I mean, beaten multiple times. I just think shipwrecks. I, yeah. I think that yeah, shipwrecked, marooned, dangers in all sorts of different areas. Mm-hmm. I just I just think that I um I mean, if the Lord wants to put me through it, I guess I'll take it heartily. <laughs> but right. like. I would uh I prefer to skip some of those steps. Live but, vicariously through Paul. Yeah. yeah so yeah. yeah, I mean in the in the case that that is where my life leads to. Cool. Okay. I, but like well, and you had another question. Yeah, about. I did. So um so as we exited Matthew and went mm-hmm. into Mark, mm-hmm. um I asked what are the major differences in the two gospel accounts going from Matthew and Mark? And I have the same question again. Um so what are the major differences and and maybe the audience or the um the writing style, the mm-hmm. the um, target of um, how they're how of he's Luke writing. And Mark, yeah, yeah, Luke compared to Mark, and maybe even compared to Matthew, since we've already been through it, but right. more Luke and Mark. So. Yeah, and and drawing a distinction that John is not one of the synoptic gospels. Right. So uh, the um, the narrative of and this is again just uh, just piecing things together based on what we have. There's nothing authoritative authoritative in the just in what we're getting ready to say, because uh, the word doesn't give it to us. This is just all of us, the evidence compiled and, and conclusions we've drawn. Again, taking the, the thought process that Mark was probably a scribe for Peter, and uh, and so he creates this gospel, most likely the first gospel written, uh, just basically because of the time period of when we think Mark came out, it, it probably before the destruction of Jerusalem. and And so then you have... Matthew, who was Levitical and who uh, was was name was Levi, and and so you have him um, making a treatise of that's why he has so much Old Testament, so many Old Testament references. I'm trying to demonstrate that he is the Messiah that we have been looking for, and so he so Matthew's gospel goes this way. Luke, a a Gentile and also an historian and physician and so forth, a companion of Paul, mm-hmm. um, was a fact-gatherer. And so Luke is gathering facts from the apostles, probably interviewed Mary herself, probably uh, which because of the details that he has, you could see that this is, this is a person on a fact-finding mission trying to get to gather, compile a narrative, as he says at the beginning, I'm trying to put together a narrative that's accurate. And and probably there were, as as he says, there were lots of narratives that were going out there. I'm I'm sure Matthew, uh, it, it, and he doesn't. I'm I'm not. I'm confident. I'm positive that Luke is not saying 
that Matthew is one of those or that Mark is one of those that's not accurate. But he's just saying there were a lot of eyewitness accounts that mm, probably left out details or included details that really weren't factual. Mm-hmm. And I want to give something that's that's more factual and is much more from a Gentile persuasion. Someone mm-hmm. who doesn't understand Jewish culture, someone right. who doesn't understand, uh, who doesn't have a Jewish background. But this is how you would see it from someone. And so the accounts in it are are much more evangelical mm-hmm. in scope. And so... Uh, like, for instance, just the, the lost sheep in Matthew really looks like somebody who's already, you know, who's someone who is part of the fold. Uh, it lost sheep in Luke is definitely someone who's not a believer. You know, it, right. it, and you kind of see the difference in, in the way they use that same illustration. And one would mm-hmm. see it one way and one would see the other. I, I think that uh, I think that's the importance of all the Gospels. Uh, each has Mark is really a summation. Uh, it's brief, but it gets to the point, and it does it, and so it's very. It makes things very clear, simple. Uh, Matthew does give us this uh, messianic theme throughout it, and so forth, but it is very important. Luke gives us this more Gentile persuasion. I think Luke also gives us uh, the the Jesus film is based on the Gospel of Luke because it is a story of the life of Jesus that is really second to none. I mean, it's it's one of the best narratives of the life of Jesus. And then you have the Gospel of John, uh, which really is to tell us that he's God Mm -hmm. and uh, to give us the divine nature in a way that we don't get anywhere else Mm -hmm. um, to combat Mormonism more so than (laughs) the gospel. (laughs) Uh, The uh, so you have. Yeah. So that's the I think that's the um, the take on each of those. Um, But um, I wanted to deal with one question before we uh, before we closed out today. And uh, and this question comes from something. Uh, just spoken of briefly in the book of Deuteronomy, but it brings up something I think that is uh, important to address. And that is, uh, he says in Deuteronomy 12, 13 and 14, take heed to yourself that you do not offer your burnt offerings in every place that you see, but in the place which the Lord chooses. In one of your tribes, there you shall offer your burnt offerings, and there you shall do all that I command you. Now, God is saying, I'm not giving you permission. This is something that takes place throughout the Old Testament. When you read through First and Second Kings, First and Second uh, Chronicles, you'll you'll notice a theme that this king uh, honored God, but he didn't take down the high places. And what was happening is people were creating their own places of worship, own places of sacrifices, which God specifically forbid right here in this passage. He says, uh, because they've gone through this passage in the, as they're in the Exodus, the tabernacle is always with you. All 12 tribes mm-hmm. are right there with the tabernacle. But when they get to the promised land, they're all going to spread out. And God's saying, when you spread out, I'm still I'm going to put my tabernacle or the altar in one tribe, one place. And and that is the place where sacrifices are made. And you do not have permission to make sacrifices elsewhere. But he says, I will give you the permission to cook your meat, mm-hmm. and uh, but you've got to bring your sacrifices uh, to the, the designated place. That is where I am to be worshipped in in that way. And uh, and and God was very specific about it. It it, uh, it it carries over for us. One of the things that we get to the New Testament, the question is, is how do we worship God today? Obviously, we don't do temple sacrifices. So how do we worship? And and we have what's called the regulative uh, principle. And uh, and also, oh my goodness, the word's escaping me. If anybody wants to think of it. 
uh, it is the um, it's the other principle. It's the it's one opposite of the regular normative. Principle. Normative. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Thank you for. Oh man, that was gonna drive me crazy. Mm. The normative principle. And what and the and once the normative principle. Let me start with that. Says uh, as long as Scripture doesn't prohibit it, uh, then then as then we are allowed to do it. And the regular principle says that unless Scripture prescribes it, uh, we do not practice it. And so, uh, Church of Christ, for instance, doesn't have. Uh, if you're if you're part of a very fundamental Church of Christ church, you don't have musical instruments. Mm-hmm. And the reason is is because there are no musical instruments in the New Testament. Well, that doesn't mean that Baptist churches aren't regulative or other churches. Even uh, uh, it, it's because they say no, we we encompass the whole Bible. Uh, and there were instruments in the Old Testament used for worship, and so we incorporate. Uh, instruments into our worship. So the regular principle is Old New Testament or New Testament, but uh, but you do have to say, uh, but we where we differ from mainland Protestant denominations is main uh, is they operate on the normative principle where they would say, uh, well, like baptism for instance, we can sprinkle or we can pour or baptize infants and so forth because there's nowhere that prohibits this, mm-hmm. and then the churches deem this as uh, a, a different path or, or accomplishes the same purpose. If you're like, if you're a covenant theologian, then you would see baptism as being a means of which to establish that this covenant is within within the home. And um, and we would say, if you're if you're a regular principal person, you would say, well, no, the Bible never actually tells us we can baptize children or infants, so therefore we will not. And uh, I don't know the Philippian jailer story. People go back and forth, but anyway, that's uh, I don't think it's a strong enough case to. Uh, to institute children's baptism, but anyway, the uh, or baptism of infants especially. Mm. But the um, but the point but the point is is that if you ever wonder why we worship the way we worship, this is this is what undergirds that uh, is that uh, if it's something uh, you say, well, there's no piano or you know specifically mentioned the piano was even invented in the Bible, then it's like we take the regulative principle and then the things that inform that particular like meaning it doesn't change that. Uh, worship part, it just simply is an enhancement of it, or it is a way we make it more meaningful or whatever. Uh, like, for instance, there is, there is no, we were having this discussion uh, about PowerPoint slides. Uh, there are no PowerPoint slides. Should PowerPoint slides be a part of worship? It's, a, it's, it's actually a really good question, because is preaching is part of it, mm-hmm. but there's never a PowerPoint. But I would say we're not introducing PowerPoint apart from the preaching. It's just simply making the preaching a, a better communicate it's a communicative tool to be added to the preaching right. but it's the preaching that is part of the regular principle mm-hmm. we that was a part of worship in the uh in the bible so um and like for instance singing mm-hmm. is part of a uh, regulative uh Demanded, it's yeah. it's within yeah. scripture and so mm-hmm. forth but when you add in um drama for instance that's actually normative uh, drama is not something that is part of it. So you, as a church, you have to weigh that. Do we take that step in that direction? Or do we say, mm, not as part of worship? It, you know, it's not that we can't have it. It's not that we don't think there should be Christian actors or there should be Christian whatever, but um, but we, but it really doesn't have a place here. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like um, just even speaking to that, and I, I, the seminary I go to, a lot of guys actually follow like a super strict, regulated mm. principle like psalms only for singing mm. no hymns or anything and i don't personally you know go right. to that, that strictness i just think you know a lot of that just sounds like very countercultural, especially to like mm. you know me and i was generation austin's mm. um and everything i just think that like you know wouldn't god just like 
want my worship anyway. And yeah. I just think like if you just look like look at the Bible, God has a lot to say about what worship like mm-hmm. him should mm-hmm. look like and you know in your life but also like specifically in like the worship service right. and everything right. and so just honor you know just honoring the lord the way that he's like clearly shown us to do so i know there are tons of gray area within right. that and everything but just even like the heart that's just like oh god has revealed in his word how he wants to be worshiped right like mm-hmm. i want to to honor and serve the lord who saved me to yeah. do that, you know. Well, and I, and I think, and some we would all agree on, but I, I think that uh, I know some people who may listen to us. I, I don't see we have a lot of uh, Orthodox or mainstream people, mainline, <laughs> right? But uh, yeah. but one of the things that you'll notice is we do not have uh, pictures or statues or anything of that mm-hmm. nature, and and so we do draw. Those are lines we draw because we are like that we see as idolatrous. Yep. Uh, and so to create an image that we would bow before or kneel before or whatever. And I understand the rationale or reasoning and other, uh, you know, other denominations or whatever. Uh, but the, but that is where we, that regular principle comes into play. Uh, and like you said, it's that we, it, I think the important part is, is that while we are allowing some freedom of expression and worship, it is when you realize God said, the, because I, I get the I get the idea of the, the high places. Mm. I get how they were thinking. Ah, it's, we, we're not able to make it. We still we, we want to worship God in this way. How do we do it? And I think that's how baptism got changed. Mm. You know, it's like, well, I want to be baptized, but I can't be baptized because of some restraint or something. And so, well, we could just pour over it. Mm. Yeah, and they would write, and they would work through that. There's nowhere in Scripture that really prohibits that or whatever. Instead of just saying that God understands if you can't be baptized, mm-hmm. you know, and so that you don't have to be baptized to be saved. So it would be better for you to do it the way God wanted you it than to change it or to or and definitely to make it as a practice church. Now, does that mean I think that if a person had water poured over them, <laughs> that that's God, they're going to get to heaven and go, mm, that was just completely wrong. <laughs> Not good enough. No, but I think we strive to do it in a way that we know is pleasing to God. And mm-hmm. when we have the opportunity to do so. I think we should. Yeah. So mm-hmm. do I take everybody to a river? Do I take everybody to the Jordan River and baptize them? I do not. Do I? I've had people say, though, it has to be running water. You can't yeah, do it in a still yeah. tub. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, mm, I'm not sure. I, I'm not there. Uh, but I think immersion <laughs> is sufficient. But I, but that's but at least those, I think those things need to be wrestled through. And 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 each church, I do believe uh, one of the things I think is important is the autonomy of the local church, mm. and uh, I think each church is trying to discover, you know, trying to hold true to the the. I think that's you have to be able to give that defense because God's the one that's going to hold you accountable for your yeah. church, and you have to give the defense of we believe that God revealed this through His Word, and this is how we came to understanding based on His Word, not on cultural norms or yeah. not on limitations mm-hmm. and things we have like that. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So, well, thank you, David. It's been great having you here today. Great to be here. Really yeah, appreciate it. I hope you'll come me. back again mm-hmm. another time, and uh, and maybe we'll take time to talk more about camo and so forth. But uh, as 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 Evan says all the time, I appreciate you saying campus movement because I forget what is camo. Stand yeah, for no, I figured all the time. I was like, <laughs> what does that mean? Uh, but anyway, it's always good. And Evan, always always wonderful to have you yeah. here. Thanks. I've been we, out we for a couple you. weeks. We missed you. Know? you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we oh missed man. You. Yeah. And Austin, always in the background. It's grateful, Austin, our engineering wizard. So Thanks, make, Austin. making everything happen. Yep. So. Just over here. 
That's right, just just in the background. But anyway, but anyway, that's all we have for today. Make sure if you have other, uh, we have old podcasts you can listen to if you want to catch uh, how we looked at the same passage of scriptures <laughs> differently. Three other times. Time. Yeah, three other times. <laughs> that's right. So you can go to our website at fbcj.us and uh, and track them down for there. You can also go to find us on every podcast location that I can think of. As I said, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, whatever else is out there. But uh, and on YouTube, be sure and check out our YouTube channel uh, where we. Have have a lot of old stuff there to material uh, that um, that we have people from yesteryear and guests from other times. Uh, so hope you'll check that out sometime. But anyway, we'll be back again next week here on Understanding Jesus.